Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome, guys, to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans, taking you into the world and wacky world of heavy metal and other, all other forms of heavy rock music. Um, that was my attempt at being a DJ. Didn't work, did it, really? Um, anyway, this week's episode is a little bit of an indulgence on my part <clears throat> because it uh, brings into sharp relief one of my favourite things in the world, and that's horror movies. And horror movies and um, a specific type of horror movie and specifically the soundtracks attached to them um, because this is a, after all a music podcast so we're going to connect two things together today um, don't go switching off all you heavy metal nuts that want to be hearing me talk about um, bands there is some there are bands involved in this um, chat but it's more to do with uh, my little bit of past and something that I find uh, comforting. Right, so it begin at the beginning, shall we? It's 1978 and a shop on Denmark Street opens called uh, Forbidden Planet. Now, before Forbidden Planet, there had been a shop in in the Haymarket, I think it was, in central London that my brother and I used to go to called Dark They Were and Golden Eyed. And it was a... Um, that's a Ray Bradbury quote, and it's uh, it's a, it was like a science fiction comic book store, and I used to go in there with my brother to buy the Hammer movie poster comics. They were like basically like inside behind scenes things of Hammer horror movies, but you folded out to be a big oop knocked my mic with my cup, folded out to be a big picture of um either a poster or or something like that to do with Hammer horror. Excuse me. And um, uh, and that we used to also get the Hammer Horror um, uh, trading cards. I used to get the chewing gum, which I always wanted, and Andy wanted the cards. In, in the end, I wanted the cards as well, to be honest. And we used to, he used to get famous monsters of movie land there and um, Fangoria when it sort of just started out. And anyway, we, that sort of closed, and so brother and I we used to go on a you know, on a weekend to Denmark Street to this little tiny dark store um, that was basically film posters comics uh, all sort of film memorabilia I remember they had a really rare um, you might not know this but one of my favorite movies of all time is Ridley Scott's legend and um, they had a really rare poster it was like a, a prototype poster it was hand-painted and you know, it wasn't that expensive. It was like 15 quid at the time, which was probably a lot of money back then. But you think about it now, it's virtually, you can't, I mean, it'd be worth thousands. But my brother and I used to go, and he would always go down to the back of the store and in the corner, I remember, I vividly remember it, where they had the record section, soundtrack section. And my brother Andrew was a big collector of film soundtracks, excuse me. 
uh, sorry, I had a bit of a migraine over the last couple of days and it's just thrown me about a bit. Um, yeah, big collection of soundtracks, my brother. I mean, mainly horror soundtracks, uh, although he did like, you know, anything really, any sort of soundtrack thing, but he did love horror movies and Godzilla movies and um, just really weird ones. Let's have some tea, sorry. And um, one of the ones he picked up which I really want now, and I was hunting for it. Um, he had a numbered green label version of this particular soundtrack. It was the soundtrack to City of the Living Dead, um, the Lucio Fulci movie. Um, and now that thing I on Discogs, that, a copy of that, if you if someone was willing to sell it, is five thousand US. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy, um, because. I'm going to lead into why that's why it would be that valuable in a minute. But so I used to, you know, go back with with Andy and and, and I'll tell you another place we used to go. We used to go to the soundtrack department upstairs on the second floor of Tower Records uh, um, in Piccadilly Circus, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, very sad to say, uh, because people don't buy media the way they used to. We used to go there and. You know, often he'd pick up, if it wasn't buying a, a comedy record, like a Mike Harding record or a Jasper Carrot record, which he, he used to love as well, he'd be buying soundtracks and some really interesting stuff. I remember he had, um, I mean, a lot of the ones we're going to talk about today are the ones that I sort of inherited from Andrew. I didn't get them from him, but I bought some subsequently afterwards, um, but from listening to the music. Because he had such a, he loved prog and he loved classical music and just music in general. He found soundtracks because he loved film like me, horror films particularly. Um, I got my love of horror films from my brother and from my father. Uh, more so from my brother as I grew older, but from the beginning of my life it was with my father who's who um, who loves or loved horror movies. He's not really well at the moment. Um, anyway, sidetracking. So, I want to sort of jump in and talk about uh, a form of horror movie which because I can't cover everything because it would be ridiculous but I'm going to cover the sort of genre of horror movies that I particularly grew up enjoying and I mean enjoying is the wrong word some of it is I think the word is enduring uh, is in yeah enduring it um some of it's very hard to watch a lot of it's um on retrospect absolutely terrible but that's the reason that I love it. Um, so I grew up watching the horror movies with Dad originally were things like, you know, um, Hammer Horror, um, all the classic famous monsters of movie land. Pardon me. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, more tea. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I remember staying up late. My father and I were watching um, uh, House on Haunted Hill, which which he, you know, when I think about it, it's not very scary at all. Vincent Price is actually pretty lame. But Dad, it really got to Dad. Um, and I don't know why, but it did. Because my father's very first date with my mother, he took her to see Vincent Price, House of Wax in 3D Technicolor. And what a wise move it was, he said to me later, because every time that, she, that something made her jump, Mum was in his arms. Brilliant move, really. Think about it. Sweet move. It's very endearing. Um, Mum hated the bloody things. Hated horror movies with a passion, and it probably comes from that. Anyway, so I, of being of a generation I am, I'm 50 next year. So the generation I am, I really got into the. Um, I'm, I'm a video cassette generation. A late night TV, and video cassette generation. Late night TV was your was your your traditional stuff. You know your House of Hammer, as I said. Your Marcus movies, but the the late night the stuff from the video store was something that my brother really digged, and it's the video nasty realm. Okay, I know people are gonna are gonna go, oh my god, I can't watch that trash or almost exploitative or it's violent or it's misogynistic. Um, there's cruelty to animals, which I'm not going to talk about, and I don't really condone that aspect. Yes, it it had this. Um, it had, it does have that nastiness to it, but a lot of it was overblown and 
and, and overreacted to by Mary Whitehouse and her, her bunch of cronies in the UK when they were sort of against basically freedom of speech and, and ability to watch what you want to watch. Now, I get that they ban stuff and I get that there is a moral compass, but sometimes that compass spins in the wrong direction, you know, uh, or it gets distorted completely. Uh, anyway, that's a different soapbox conversation. What I was talking about is these movies. So I really got into the Italian, and I still do. I watch a, a, a YouTube channel um, called um, Horror Geek, and um, he's brilliant. Like I watch him every Thursday. He just makes me laugh. He digs the same stuff I dig, and we review stuff. There's also a really good YouTube channel called Dark Corners, which is I would highly recommend. His reviews are intelligent and really thoroughly thought out. Um, anyway, so the Italians, God bless the Italians. Firstly, they make the most outrageous cinema and they make some of the most outrageous soundtracks. Um, we've all had a dabble and enjoyed in some spaghetti westerns, have we not? Yes, we have. You know, um, so when you sort of watch Italian exploitation cinema, yes, you do, because you watch the um, all this Cliff, all the, um, all, I was about to say Cliff Richard then, what the hell did that come from? Um, Clint Eastwood, imagine Cliff, Clint Eastwood, Cliff Richards in a few dollars, for a few dollars more, be hilarious, wouldn't it? Um, so anyway, Italian exploitation cinema, so not all of it is exploitation cinema, of course, um, the great what the Italians do is they they see what's doing what well, they used to they'd see what's happening in the world of big hit cinema in America and in the UK and then they would copy it they would use American names on their directors and change their names and the actors names to sound because they wanted to sell it to the Americans because God bless the Americans and God bless you all Americans but there's some of you out you in that country won't watch a movie if it's directed by someone called Sergio Stilabetti which is you know it is what it is. Happens all over the world. Um, bit silly, but here's what it is. Um, so, the main proponents of these cinema uh, is a uh, main director was a couple. There's Lucio Fulci. He's the godfather of Italian gore. Again, and then you've got Umberto Lenzi, um, and um, you've got uh, Sergio Silvetti. Like he's a special effects guy, but he did make movies, directed some movies. Um, Dario Argento, but he's in a completely different, uh, different world, and um, you know Buta, Buna Matai, probably one of the worst directors of all time. Um, he will probably admit that, um, and a few others in and around there. Uh, Ruggiero Diatto, who made one of the most mean-spirited and nasty, nasty piece of film you're ever going like, to clap your eyes on. I would not recommend you watching it. Those are weak-hearted and weak-stomached, and have. Um, you know, not morals, it's the wrong word, are, are easily offended, okay? But they're soundtracks. So, we'll, we'll, we'll park the, let's park the, uh, the really sleazy, exploitative stuff first and move over on to um, my favourite, one of my favourite um, horror directors. I mean, I struggle to call him a horror director purely because he mainly made Italian uh, movies uh, in the vein of um, uh, uh, sort of thrillers, all right? You know, uh, there's a special name for them, okay, for these thrillers, okay? Now they, they are named after the, the yelly, little yellow books that they originally um, uh, were from, or you know, so there's a little a f series of books, mainly all yellow font and yellow um, binding, and that's giallo. Sorry, Italian listeners, if I've butchered your beautiful language, but giallo, which is yellow. Um, there, and he made, uh, I think, the seminal giallo movie, which is um, Bird with a Crystal Plumage. Not violent, not well, violent, but not graphic. Um, be really very in the same vein as uh, Hitchcock movies. In fact, you could probably call Hitchcock in some respects in his later movies like Frenzy, uh, Giallo. Um, but Giallo movies, so he sort of run their course. Um, they're pretty, they're pretty frenzy. They're pretty 
nutty, they're, they're pretty off the wall, um, very Italian, very Euro, um, full of twists and plots and turns and um, beautiful women and fast cars and hairy chest men, medallions and, um, and craziness. Um, Dario Argento sort of did a few of those and then he sort of hit on making possibly the most beautiful horror movie ever made, um, which is Suspiria. Uh, he made that in 1977, and so those that are working in the film industry, I did for quite some time, would understand, I was also in special effects for a long time, they would understand that um, there's a thing called gels, okay, so you put gels on the front of lights and you flood areas with bright technicolour, and Dario Gento's cinematography and his eye for colour and movement is second to none. He's probably the most uh, gifted cinematography uh, cinematographer slash director in, in the history of film. Um, the way that the camera moves through the sh opening shots and the, uh, in in Suspiria and and through a lot of the moving, very clever moving shots. I'm not going to make technical things here. But there's lots of clever shots taken and done in uh, in, in deep red profondo rosso. Um, which is the second movie. Uh, but along with these stark, graphic, violent images, and a lot of them are, he does a lot of, I mean, he once quoted, he'd rather see a, a beautiful woman die slowly than an ugly woman die fast. Now, don't get up on your you know, soapboxes and attack me on it, or, or attack him. Everyone has their own opinions, okay? Is it misogynistic? Probably. Um, but at the same time, it's, a, it's just an opinion. So he made... Uh, in 77 he made Suspiria I had the really privilege of taking my oldest daughter to see Suspiria uh, here in Canberra sadly it was meant to be his original 35mm um, uh, uh, print but the someone lost it in transit can you imagine turning up to Dario and saying sorry Dario we've lost your, your personal print of, of Suspiria I wouldn't want to be that person. I think they found it subsequently, but it had to be played through uh, a DVD or digital one. So it wasn't quite the sensation I wanted. I wanted the grainy sensation of it, you know, that, that sort of moment. Um, one second. Let me take some tea. Yeah, so that sort of grainy rawness. Um, I won't go through what's the story of, of Suspiria because the... The Three Mothers trilogy that he would produced um, is beyond crazy. It's beyond uh, me about to tell you. Um, there are some amazing, uh, violent and beautifully violent death scenes in it. Um, and for an Italian movie, because the Italians had uh, struggled in the mid-80s um, to get the quality foam latex to make good prosthesis that's why when you watch um things like Fulci zombie or house by the edge of the park or house by the cemetery sorry um or the beyond or some of that uh you know or even anything like you know um city of the living dead any of those ones they look really cheap um in the special effects department like the makeup the space department because they just couldn't get it it wasn't they weren't skilled enough um they clearly were they just couldn't get the materials Anyway, so that's a side note. That's just my my thing because I love special effects. So, yeah, so full of these death scenes and to portray and to punctuate the power of this movie, um, he originally got on board um, some musicians um, to, to to record it. Um, he really didn't like the outcome. So he discovered this little band that was first started out in 1972 called Cherry, so Oliver. Then they became Cherry Five, and then they became Goblin. Now Goblin uh, are, is is uh, well, my blah, 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 uh, are my favourite um, Italian prog soundtrack heavy metal makers. Right, they make some really interesting angular stark, heavy, um, um, funky, motivating, terrifying music uh, that cinema's ever had, I think. The soundtrack 
the opening soundtrack to um, to Suspiria, the the amazing um, atonal um, four five rhythm uh, time signature keys um, is is just it's just it's it's I'm sorry, I've just got my notes here, Mr. Ringer. Um, is what I I've, I've made. Let me just highlight. Yeah, just gives them this um, eerie um, how do I say? It punctuates. That's what I'm trying to say. It punctuates the the, the, the image so well that if you try to take it out, um, you would have absolutely. It would be terrible. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't move. It would. It would sit. The image would carry it, of course, because as I said, Dario Argento is a genius. Um, flawed, but all geniuses are, aren't they? Um, but it's just that. It's just that, that angularness, that coldness of it. Um, and then, of course, almost this sort of they using some early sampling with this, and the same thing with this next movie, um, or uh, Profondo Rosso or Deep Red. I highly guide, please hunt out, guys, hunt out the original Italian prints that have not been dubbed. Um, because, firstly, you get here the actors emote. Secondly, they're not edited or dubbed, uh, they haven't been cut. A lot of prints of both Profondo Rosso and Suspiria have been heavily cut um, to, f to suit most markets. I mean, I had to get my copy originally um, illegally imported into England by some friends of mine from Denmark um, or Holland sorry um, in their suitcases they just took the tapes out and wrapped them in they posted the tapes to themselves in the mail and they put the covers in their bags in the suitcases it's crazy isn't it because they could have got prison sentences for owning them it, not now of course but then so it was a really it was very I felt it very um, I loved the underground feel of it. I think there's another thing I loved about it I loved the you know Brown paper bag, hush hush, don't tell anyone, nudge nudge, wink wink thing, you know. Um, that we come into the back of the store when no one's looking, and he shows us this incredible collection of movies like Blood Sucking Freaks and Contamination and uncut copies of Evil Dead, which was really hard to get hold of. Um, the Palace print original video chest is uncut, but then they released it again and butchered it. Um, anyway, so it was Goblin. So Goblin are this progressive rock band. Um, and they do heavy progressive, so it's not sort of all whimsy, right? Um, and they predominantly now work only with uh, soundtrack on soundtracks. I think they don't do much, much more anyway. They do stuff with Claudio Simonetti, who's a keyboard player. Um, I think they worked on quite a few films there, um, and they're touring with him apparently. According to this notes, they tour with him. Um, most of the band, four fifths of the original band, are still going. They've had a lot of lineup changes, um, but they these are the soundtrack. I'm, I'm going to read out a list of soundtracks. I would like you. You can get them on Spotify and iTunes. You can watch the movies. You can buy the soundtrack separately. If you've got a piece of pen and paper, right, make a note here. I'm going to pause for a second. If you get a piece of paper and a pen, was that long enough? Maybe some more. Maybe some, maybe some R for some tea drinkers. So, firstly, we've got obviously we have Suspiria, and then we have uh, Deep Red or Profondo Rosso, um, and then we have Martin. You know what? I've absolutely bummed it up. It went Deep Red first, then Suspiria. Ah, oh, Lord. See, this is when you when you look at your notes and you think, I've written that down wrong, and I bloody I put a staple in the top corner and I've missed the dates. I apologise sincerely. So Deep Red first, then Suspiria, but Deep Red was seventy five, Suspiria was seventy six. Okay, so you can sort of see where maybe I may have got that a bit mixed up. Um, it's all still part of the same trilogy. Deep Red has um, some famous. English actors in it, same as Suspiria has an American actress in it. They did use American and English actors to sell it overseas. Um, Deep Red's, uh, there's a death scene in Deep Red involving a piano, which, if you're not careful, will make you wince and want to rush to the dentist immediately. Um, 
is quite devastatingly awful. And there's also a great hatchet murder in it as well. Um, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So Suspiria still might... I still. I mean, even though, yes, Deep Red Sorry came first, Suspiria is still his, his seminal work uh, at this point anyway. And so soundtracks. Um, Deep Red... <coughs> Deep Red... Suspiria, um, 1979's um, George A. Romero's uh, um, Martin, a classic, classic movie. Uh, Martin is a movie about a boy who thinks he's a vampire and drugs women and um, slits their wrists and drinks their blood until they die. Um, and he's, he moves in with these very religious priest grandfather who eventually in the end... Well, well, I'm not ruin a movie for you. I th- it's all shot in um, black and white, like color flashback, black and white flashbacks and color. It's disturbing. It never made a lot of money on the cinema. It is, I think, Romero's uh, one of Romero's greatest movies. Obviously, we're all known for his Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead series. Uh, but that's his. I think he's really one of those movies. Outside of that, the crazies that he did as well, brilliant. Anyway, they did that. They also did. Um, the Italian soundtrack to Dawn of the Dead, Romero's uh, Opus Magnus, as they say, right? Now, I personally... Because Dario Argento came on board to edit the movie, to sell it to the Italian markets and called it Zombie 2, um, because it was like a, a riff on um, Zombie Flesh Eaters that had come out the year before. Um, and it... Uh, around that time, sorry. And... It also add more gore to sell because it wasn't as bloody, even though it had the you know the genius Tom Savini doing the special effects work, and it is still pretty graphic. The Italian print is a bit longer, it adds more to it. It's a bit more plodding. It's not as it's not as fast paced as 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 um, Ramiro's print, but it has the difference is it has a Goblin soundtrack, and the Goblin soundtrack makes the fucking movie. It really does. Watch the American print, then watch the one with the Goblin soundtrack, and you tell me which one's the better one. Because I'm telling you now, it's definitely the Goblin one. Um, and then we move into Patrick. Patrick is, an, is a very disturbing movie. I just noticed we've gone over 26 minutes and we probably need a rest. So I'm going to stop here, and make my tea a bit more warmer, um, have some adverts, and then we'll come back the other side and talk about those other ones. About Patrick and beyond. Thanks. Bye. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Welcome back, guys. I'm sorry that was a bit longer than first. Oh, no, I've been going longer. I'm just wrapping on. It's a, it's a, a subject I'm really passionate about. So, anyway, so Patrick. I first saw Patrick on a double bill late night when I was 13 with my brother and my dad. Uh, it was a, it's an Australian movie. Patrick is yes, they're Australian movies. Um, Patrick's about a boy that kills his um, mother and her lover in the bath with electric fire goes into a coma is in hospital his whole life and then suddenly um weird um psychic stuff uh, psychokinesis stuff starts happening um i saw that on a double bill with harlequin which is an australian movie sort of a another good quite scary but not so much horror movie about the um um pal uh, the actor um see i need i need to one second See, I was riffing on a voice, and my voice brain is gone. Is Anthony Powell? One moment. Robert Powell. Sorry, guys. Um, I think he's in Patrick as well. I'd remember. He's definitely in Harlequin. He plays this. Um, there's a an Australian politician whose son's dying of leukemia, and he is a magician. Comes to a birthday party and he heals him. Um, it's sort of a riff on the prime minister that went missing uh, at sea here in Australia um, many years ago. He went for a swim and never came back. Sort of a play on that. Anyway, um, there's some really, really weird stuff goes on in the Patrick movie. They've remade it recently, and it's not a shadow of the original. And and it, uh, the soundtrack is, again, it's Goblin at its best. It's just um, angular, um, hard, heavy, fast-paced. I also saw that, again, years later, on another double bill with a brilliant American horror movie, it's forgotten now with um with uh, it's called um manor two i made um venom made a song about 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 it um about a, it's got a brilliant ending i won't give away but the ending is unbelievable blow your mind um anyway so moving on so then they did um contamination with luigi cosi director contamination is a alien ripoff again brilliant exploding body parts won't remove won't won't say anymore okay um then he goes and he meets back up with they meet back up with uh, argento with his three mothers trilogy so you have deep red suspiria tenembrae but but deep red's not part of that sorry um the three mothers trilogy is suspiria tenembrae and f- uh, and phenomena okay um tenembrae i'm, I'm not even going to try and I'm not even going to attempt to try and explain it. There's a, a very good bit in it with uh, Inferno as well. Sorry, there's a very good bit in it with a, a lock with a corpses underwater. I'm leaving it at that. All right. Um, so yes, yeah, so very tenuous sort of trilogy. These movies that Darragh made. So Suspiria, Inferno, and Tenebrae. Um, sort of phenomena, but not really. Um, Phenomena. Um, I think it's a really silly name. I never liked it. I, there is another name for it. Um, so, Dario Argento, he did Tenembrae. Um, he did. They did Hell of the Living Dead with Bruno Mattai. Um, Phenomena. We did do that again with them. So that's where about a girl that controls um, animals and insects. Brilliant. Um, they shot this shot with a fly. Now today's it'll be it will be CGI, but then. They got someone to micro-surgery, micro-surgery on a fly, put a little wire, and they controlled the fly while it was alive around the car. It's pretty bloody clever. Um, and then he, the last film that they sort of did um, that's recognisable would be Mikhail Sauvé's um, The Church. Mikhail Sauvé was in Demons and Demons 2, 
He's an Italian store or an actor. He's also a special effects artist, and he's also a director. Um, extra talented bastards. You know what I mean? Anyway, that's Goblin. I don't want to keep going on about Goblin, but they're the, they're the store, okay? And like I said before, park the Italian, the crazy Italian cinema stuff, okay? Flip over to the crazy Italian cinema stuff, and let me get my notes. Here we go. Right, so you've got um, Fulci was making movies with a, well, I think the second best film set, film set, film sound soundtrack director from Italy, Italy um, is uh, Fabio Frizzi. Fabio Frizzi. I always wanted to picture him with a big afro. Um, uh, he sort of took what Goblin was doing um, and then weirded it up eleven. Um, using Mellotrons, Mini Moogs, um, uh, uh, what was he using? It was using um, Leslie cabinets, um, tape loop stuff, You're doing early digital sampling, uh, really heavy, very ponderous, very slow, like the zombies in his, in Fulci's movies, they're slow and they're ponderous. In Zombie, for instance, there's a bit where I get, a girl gets her eye, a woman gets her eye pushed out with a splinter and slowly pulled towards the splinter. And the, the soundtrack on that, the mu- the music in it is so tense, so dramatic, and so heavy that again, it, it would it be this would it be the same without it? Probably not. Um, and then you sort of you go into this. Uh, he made a movie called The Beyond, and I think that's his magnus opus. Now. He, Fulci made a lot of movies. I'm not going to go through them all. He made a lot of movies. Movies that you'll remember. I mean, if those of a generation like me remember Zombie Flesh Ears, how it was so, oh, terrifying, and could we get a copy of it, and can we find it? You know, and he made The Beyond, which is brilliant. It, again, about a house over a portal to hell, some absolutely buttfuck crazy deaths in it, some unbelievably brilliant special effects, some really awful ones with this mechanical tarantulas eating this guy's face I just you know um, a slow pull towards a nail and I push through the back of the head and I pop an out it's just it, and then right at the end one of some one of the best and most awful matte paintings I've ever seen um, matte paintings when the you paint back in front of the camera and you and then you put on glass and um, you put the actors in front of it, it looks like they're there it's done very, very well in uh, for the Yellow Brick Road scenes in Wizard of Oz. It's done very, very well in The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing and the original Thing, but not here. <laughs> but it is It is still wonderful anyway, all right? Still wonderful. Um, as I said, don't go into these movies uh, if you don't have a stomach for this stuff because it can be quite... Like there's a movie called Cannibal Ferox, which I... Um, or make them die slowly, um, which is really nasty. I mean, uber nasty. It was. The, it began the. Well, it didn't begin it actually. Sorry, no, it didn't. I'm gonna get that wrong. The original cannibal movie genre, which was very much very Italian, um, uh, was a movie called Man from Deep River, which was also a rip off of um, a Man Called Horse. Um, it has got some very nasty piercing scenes and hooks and stuff so if you want to stay away from that there is a also a monkey gets the top of his head cut off and you see it live it's not a monk it's not a full face monk, fake monkey it's a real monkey and they eat his brains i mean i'm not look please if anyone's eating this over dinner or breakfast i apologize it is not the sort of i don't watch that just so you don't turn off in droves um i actually have copies of i had copies of those movies um and i would not watch them I would you know, and I couldn't not watch I could not have them because I was a as I always have been as a collective collector and a purist I needed to have them um, uh, yeah and, and Cannibal Ferox was another one you can get copies of it without the animal cruelty he did get Diato did get in a lot of trouble for it uh, through the Italian courts he got fined um, for doing what he did and I'm really bloody happy he did um, they also try to prove that his murders were real, and they clearly weren't. Um, absolutely not. I mean, the act, the act, they had the actors in court. How could I have killed them if they're here, sir? Um, anyway, because they saw that whole snuff thing that was going on in the early eighties. So, so 
Fabio Frizzi. He's the guy to listen out for in Italian um, shock cinema, okay? Um, I think one of the best soundtracks possibly of Fulci's career is um, A New York Ripper. It's another mean-spirited movie with my favourite actor of all time, Klaus Kinski, the German crazy nut who was just... I don't know what it is about him, but it just draws me to him. Um, and I'll talk about him in a minute later on, but yeah. Okay, so that's what I would do. Look for Fabio Frizzi soundtracks, Goblin soundtracks, um, any of the Italian, any of the Italian, you know, um, exploitation movies. Uh, Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS, Ilsa um, Siberian Tigress. Um, uh, they're all awful Um and but they do. They've got great special effects by um, Blasco. Blasco um, was amazing because he he didn't use lots of foam latex. He used like putty and stuff. He did go on to use foam latex um, um, in Cronenberg's um, Shivers, um, or they come from within, depending where you, which country you live in. Um, that's another body horror movie that leaves me gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, anyway, moving on. So, Italian so where I was coming from is Italian cinema. I think as the craziest soundtracks. I think they, if you want to understand how a soundtrack changes the way the movies work, because we do take it a step for granted, is listen to that. Listen to Dario Gento's Goblin music. Listen to Fabio Frizzi's work. Um, listen to uh, Michele Sovi's work. I'll put a list of the names in the in the uh, in the show notes so you can. Have a look and listen, I'll, um, because you might be interested. But now I'm going to just quickly dive, while we're getting late into the po- deep into the podcast, into my personal collection of favourite horror soundtracks. Uh, and these are heavy, guys. Some of this stuff is really just brilliant. Now, this, I actually own these particular pieces. Um, I'm just going to do a quick brief outline of, of the soundtracks, okay? Um, I've already talked about Zombie 2. I've always about Dawn of the Dead, and I've got the Italian soundtrack to that. That's the Goblin soundtrack. I've also got the American soundtrack, but the Italian soundtrack's brilliant. Um, I've got um, Near Dark. Now, I know Matt loves Near Dark. Matt, who inspired me this conversation about doing film soundtracks. I'm going to chat the other day. Um, Matt Coombs, the Iron Maiden nutter. Uh, he mentioned that he loves Near Dark. It's a zombie. It's a sorry, zombie on the brain. It's a vampire movie. I'm not going to go into the story of it. I think you should just go out and watch that. The soundtrack itself, though, was done by Christopher um, Hong. Um, it's claustrophobic. It's dark. It's um, suppressive. It's angular. It's um, it's perfectly aligned to the visuals of the movie. And if you see the movie, once you've seen Near Dark, you don't forget Near Dark. Um, and that might also um, move... Because Christopher Hong, I won't... I won't I won't tell you now, but he's done some lots of work, and I've, I've got lots of the lists. The reason I'm not mentioning them is because these are the ones I own, okay? I had to flick through these the other day to double-check. Now we've got, next is The Bogeyman by Tim Krug, 1980. Um, it is a basically in front of the 13th slasher movie clone with Tom Savini's, some of Tom Savini's, I mean, I mean Tom Savini is one of my idols, Along with uh, Rob Bottin, Rick Baker, the trivi- the the three gods of horror, special effects, um, and physical effects, and um, he did some very very good work with Shears in this. So again, I'm not going to give it away. I would like you to watch it, but the music is stark. Um, they used a lot of organ, a lot of um, synth, um, analog, and it's pulsing. And they used um, reverb tape in this one so he got like a tape and he stretched the tape across the room and played it different speeds back through the tape head as he's recording the sounds it's it's really clever stuff on a low budget um you can get these soundtracks by the way um not all of them are rare and un, un, unattainable you can also a lot of them are actually on oops, off the mic a lot of them are actually on um uh, like a reissue through Waxworks Records, okay? And then we come to Maniac, another Tom Savini tour de force of nastiness. This really is mean-spirited. This is as bad as New York Ripper with Klaus Kinski. This is... Um, 
They remade it recently. It's not the same. Uh, this is a movie not for entertainment. I'm sorry. It is it is entertaining in the same way that, say, Taxi Driver is. Say that um, The Deer Hunter is. Yeah, it's just... I mean, I mean, think even Tom said he went too far. Um, this guy attacks women, he scalps them. There's a brilliant uh, head explosion at the end of it. Um, gunshot through the car window with Tom Savini's head, like modelled his head. Um, Joe Spinelli, who played the main actor in it, uh, for many years after was haunted by it. He's no longer with us, and he was haunted by it. And I think that uh, some of this stuff, just because you can do it, doesn't mean you should do it, right? Um, it, the music is quite crestfallen. It's quite uh, <sighs> stupefying. It's synth, synth. There's a particular piece of music in the soundtrack called Hooked, Hooker's Heartbeat, which until you hear it, you, it will blow your mind when you hear it. It's just it's it's so terrifying and so chilling that I don't I can't actually listen to it separately to the, the movie um, and then we look at as I said I've already said the beyond before um, that's another Lucha Fuchio about, about and this is Mellotron again it's Frizzy 1981 Fabio Frizzy um, he wanted to make it like the sound of hell, op hell opening and he really did there's orchestral pieces in there there's weird distorted uh, vocals um, it is heavy truly if you put this on a heavy metal soundtrack people will think you're a genius um and we'll move out, let's move away from the, and then move away from the Italian stuff. And we're going to move into Videodrome. This is music by Howard Shear, 1983. It's seductive, it's deeply disturbing. Um, it needs, it's sinister and arousing. Um, because the movie is sinister and arousing. If you've ever seen Videodrome, um, I can't describe it. I'm not going to describe it. All I can say to you is long live the new flesh and you'll understand where I'm coming from. Please see the un unedited version. Don't see the edited version. It really is an abomination to do that to this movie because, yes, it came out at the same time, the video nasties, but it's not a video nasty. The shots that I needed in it where the guy, where, you know, he puts his hand into his stomach and pulls out a gun that's attached to his hand, um, you know, it, it, it's really, it's necessary um, yeah, there's some really quite shocking songs. I mean, Blondie's in it. Dave, Debbie Harry's in it. James Woods is in it. I mean, you know, um, he really, I mean, it, it is quite a high-profile movie. It's sort of around, the, maybe just before, just after Scanners, um, when Cronenberg was really hitting his straps, making really interesting body horror movies. Um, and this is the pinnacle for it, really. Um, anyway... It is by the sounds of Howard Shears, 1983. And it's his third movie he did for David Cronenberg. He did um, the first three movies, Shivers. Um, I think he did The Brood. I think he did The Brood. Anyway, then we move on to a really high-profile horror soundtrack. Okay, this one um, is The Omen. Now I've got this had it for a long time. Um, it's the biggest on the list I have. It got an Academy Award for sound for soundtrack. Um, and the piece of music was called Ave Satana, which is really odd because the Academy is quite Christian and it was at a time very high Christian moral values. Um, you know, you've got, um, you're coming into Reagan, Reaganomics and so on and Reagan era. Um, it is easy accessible and it would not be, the, again, the movie could not be the way it is without this piece of soundtrack. It's clever, it's interesting and, it was, and it's by Jerry Goldsmith. I mean, Jerry Goldsmith is a musical genius, is he not? So, uh, when you see Jerry Goldsmith's name on a soundtrack, you generally know you're going to do all right. Okay. Uh, moving on. Um, sorry, Russell, 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 Russell. Sorry. Uh, I wrote in the back of bits of paper, you see, and uh, I'm going to find where I bloody wrote the thing. All right. Yes. Then we're going to move in. Now this. I'm sorry, guys. I will wrap this up as soon as I can. It's quite a longer one. This one because there's a lot to get over. Um, the next one is one is one of beauty. It's a beautiful soundtrack. It's scary. The movie scared me. It is the remake of Nosferatu by my favorite film director of them all, Werner Herzog, in collaboration with Klaus Kinski. He made it shot for shot the same as the 1921 um, classic movie uh, by F.W. Murnau. Uh, Popol Vuh did the soundtrack. I only found out this morning that Popol Vuh is actually 
Um, it's Mayan. It's a Mayan word. I think it means it's a god. It's a god anyway. It's a Mayan god. Um, he wrote this music. It is stunningly beautiful. It is. It's not heavy, guys. Um, it has moments of heaviness in it, but it's so stark, so terrifyingly beautiful in and in, in the way that um, when when Klaus portrays the the sad and sorrowful creature that um, falls in love with Lucy and wants travels to Bremen, um, they had to make it Bremen because um, the original movie made in 1921 was. Um, was too close to the original Dracula story and it was within 50 years of copyright of the book and so um, Bram Stoker's wife ordered all the prints to be destroyed luckily uh, eight copies survived luckily for us um, because it is the greatest piece of uh, expressionist German cinema um, and they're remaking it this year apparently I'm a bit dreading it but anyway moving on beautiful soundtrack it's not heavy but it's eerie it's hollow it's damp It, it it's dark it's just beautiful picture that goes with the images really well rounding out my soundtracks um, coming to the end the last two are John Carpenter now I didn't I left John Carpenter the last because John Carpenter it goes without saying he writes his own soundtracks he's a very very talented director and the two soundtracks I've picked of, that I've got in my collection are uh, The Thing because it's the greatest um, horror soundtrack a horror special effects movie of all time. It is the pinnacle of special creature effects. Um, followed very quickly, I think, by The Void, for the, the Canadian movie that came out a few years ago. Um, the music soundtrack's by Ennio Morricone. Now, we all know Ennio Morricone because he did Spaghetti Westerns. And um, uh, Carpenter's a big fan of Spaghetti Western movies. Um so he taught, he'd use him, brought him in, and it, what a good choice, what a brilliant choice. The space in the notes is so wide, it's so um, angular, it's so cold and stark, it feels like ice, it feels like isolation, it feels like there is no way out, it feels like the creature is just there next to you. Um, the moments of transformations, the music used in it, the moments of silence that punctuates as the creature transforms, um, is Rob Bottin is a genius, uh, special effects a genius, and he was like 21 when he did it. It just blows my mind. Um, and it, 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 the movie, yes, it can be ponderous. Yes, people, it lost out, didn't get the Academy Award for special effects that year, um, and it, it didn't do very well at the cinema because of uh, because of its pacing. Um, I think that is bar humbug and it was a time of the when it was released people wanted action 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 i think now it would do very well on release um the prequel is not bad it's all cgi um you know is what it is i suppose um moving from there to the very last one um halloween how could i not mention halloween um it is in five four time the piano at the beginning it is stark it is terrifying. It is the perfect portrayal of a mind gone somewhere where it shouldn't be. It is the perfect portrayal of a killing machine. The music that he produced for this, Carpenter played all the instruments, or bought most of the instruments on this, and mixed it. Um, it, it he, um, it's just it's inspirational. Uh, he got his inspiration from Goblin, going full circle backwards okay um and also from bernard herman's psycho theme now, i didn't mention psycho because i want those are honorable mentions that we don't need to talk about um, i wanted to talk about all the obscure stuff and the stuff i have in my account in my um in, in my collection it was inspired also by his father who was a music professor um he played the bongos and taught um carpet to play the bongos and bongos have a strange time signature you know, do 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 It was that sort of minimalist, off kilter um, way of making music. It um, yeah, along with probably Friday the Thirteenth's um, Jason motif, where it goes, you know, Jason, 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 
that sound um, that was sort of just repeated um, to create that sort of loneliness in the woods feel. Um, it is so... Horror movie soundtracks are heavy. They are so heavy metal. They're so heavy rock. They're so progressive that, yes, they, there are movies out there that just have heavy metal music in their soundtrack. Lost Boys, Trick or Treat. They're, you know, I could, I could pick a load. That's not what I was talking about. I think that's easy. Anyone, let's be honest, can get a, a, a piece of pre-written music that I think suits that. And it was very 90s, early, late 80s to early 90s, just to fill film soundtracks with pop music and rock music and heavy metal music. Just be honest, if I hear another, if I ever, ever have to hear Bon Jovi in my life ever again, um, will be a day that I step in front of a bus. I'm sorry. I grew up that last, towards the end of the 80s there, he was on every bloody soundtrack, wasn't he? You know, if it had Emilia Estevez on it, it had fucking Bon Jovi on it. Um, sorry, you Bon Jovi lovers out there, but yeah, no. Um, I'd rather stick my cock between two flowery baps and call Fido. Um, that's a Blackadder quote there, guys, if you don't know what that's from. Blackadder goes forth. Um, anyway, that's my take on horror film soundtracks. I, there's a lot to cover in an hour. I might have to come back and do it more specifically. But do go out there and do try and just hunt them out and have a listen. I did put on my Facebook page, Profondo Rosso, which we're now realising, Stupid Me was his first movie, uh, in the series of where he became more graphic, Diarragento that is, um, and Suspiria. Uh, I think Suspiria is the most is a, is a harder one to listen to. Profondo Rosso or Deep Red is the easier one to, to sort of get your head around. Um, Goblin do have their own albums in fact I've got quite a few Goblin albums that are not soundtracks uh, go to if you want to buy hard copies of them Waxworks Records do sell them they go for silly money now because they get released in small numbers and then you can't get them and uh, I'm I'm really pissed because a lot of that stuff is not released outside of the US so any US listeners who really want to send me any Goblin soundtracks please do private message me I'm happy to pay you the postage if you can buy them for me and post them to me. There was also a Nosferatu spinner which went on top of the records. I could wait. I really wanted it and I stayed up till like 2 in the morning to the release date in America. And I went to buy it and it said not released outside the States. Like what the fuck? If you have put that in the blurb I wouldn't have stayed up late to get it. I really wanted it as well. Because Nosferatu is my favourite horror movie. Um, the, well the Max... The Max, uh, the sorry, the um, original black and white one, right? Anyway, that's me chatting away. Go and explore, find some soundtracks. Let me know which ones are your favourite ones. Um, tell me if you agree with any of my information. I hope I've not um, over overly crowded your mind. But again, that's these ones I talked about. Yes, so the ones that there are other soundtracks, but these ones that I own. Well, some of them, I've got quite a few. Um, I might revisit it with a few more I'd later down, maybe close to Halloween. Um, and we might even just do Halloween, our breakdown thoroughly, thoroughly of each motif from the movie. That might be fun. Anyway, keep rocking, keep rolling, keep safe. Talk to you next week, guys, because next week, I believe, is my one-year anniversary, uh, possibly, um, which means that something very special will happen that episode. Um... I hope you like that one. I hope you've enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.